You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into another episode of The Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel, wherever, whenever you may be listening. I'm John Vogel podcast host hey today we're going to be talking about some defense events and getting into some different stuff special guest joining us on the show today our first prospect of the 2024 season he is a well-learned man we're going to bring him on in just a second but first shane hit it let's get this thing rolling turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast with draft vogel with the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the sickest NFL Draft show, it's gonna be sick. And with the first pick of the 2024 NFL Draft, you should select DraftKings because the NFL season is going strong and the DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't just stopping there. All customers could take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this December. So get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code SICKSPORTS. New customers can score $200 instantly. Let's bring in uh, co-host Mark Jarvis. This joins Justin's out this week. And Mark, uh, everything going well on the front with you in Ohio? Yep. Finally getting some cold weather. We had <laughs> a nice stretch of like 50 or so, and then it's starting to finally get cold again. So every morning when I go into work, it's like 20 out, and I'm hustling trying to get the car heated up. Oh, I hear that. And, and you know, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, I mean, there's one thing I do want to shout out before we get this started is all the people up there in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is just north of Nashville, just north of my home. Uh, they were hit with an F4 tornado back on Saturday. It ripped through Main Street, Hendersonville, killed three people, injured 23, and devastated that area. Uh, so if you got an opportunity to get out there and, and donate, I know Taylor Swift just donated a million dollars up there, but if you got a chance to help those people out, we're talking serious, like, oil tanker exploded type deal uh real damage up there in hendersonville so uh yeah that cold weather came in with that front <laughs> uh special guest here guys john morgan defensive end from arkansas who transferred through pit let's go ahead and bring him in on the show john man i'm so happy that you were able to join us dude how are you doing i'm doing good man you know uh just happy to be here talking to you guys you know um blessed to be an opportunity to uh, really talk ball and get ready for the next level 
So I'm going to set before I let Mark take this first question, because Mark had wanted to give you a nice little run through here. Um, I caught you. I, you got my attention, obviously, when you were at Pitt. I've been watching you for like the last three years, you know, as a rotational rusher. You got you played a lot of good snaps, were able to get a lot of pressures and different things and showed, you know, a good skill set. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that we had that opportunity. But the other thing that I saw was after you're done playing football, you want to be a broadcaster. And so, like, hey, let's get you on tape, man. Let's get you to show off this stuff, what you know and what you can talk about the game. So uh, really happy that you could join us, dude. Yes, indeed. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Mark, go ahead and take it over with your first question. Yeah, so first question I wanted to ask you was kind of what all went into your decision to take that extra year of eligibility uh, after the COVID year and then to then go and transfer to Arkansas? Uh, I mean, for me, it was kind of – one of the opportunities to really better myself, you know, I mean, playing in ACC, you play against great competition. I was in there for a, around five years, and I felt like I played a plethora of guys from all top to bottom. And, I mean, I felt like with, with, with me having a COVID year, and I kind of went in, the, went in the portal with on a leap of faith, you know. And I kind of surprised me knowing when I put my name in the portal, what schools kind of contacted me I had. I mean, it was a lot of ACC schools, so it was kind of a surprise for me. But once I saw that, I knew that my talents had shown at Pitt and they knew that people were willing to take that opportunity for me. And I mean, going to Arkansas, I mean, it was, it was a great opportunity, you know, I mean, playing at SEC, that's, that's big boy football. That's what, that's what all the scouts are looking for. That's what, that's what people consider the, the, the Juco of the NFL. You know, people watch SEC football every single day of the week if they can. And I mean, I felt like playing against guys from LSU, Alabama, I mean, you could you can name them. I mean, it was it was it was real hard on football, and I appreciated every opportunity for it. Yeah, and that kind of leads into another question I wanted to ask: Is what was the difference between going from facing ACC guys to facing SEC guys? You always hear about people talking about the gap between the talent and the size and the physicality, but how did right. that feel actually going from one to the other? Right. I mean, it was. I mean, I would. I'm not going. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat and say it was night and day. I mean, because I mean, we all divisional football players. I mean, you could say that playing against Clemson, playing against guys like that, you could say those are some of the top guys in ACC, playing against guys from Florida State and those, and, and those type of schools. And just and a lot of guys sleep on schools like Duke and North Carolina that also make noise. I mean, Boston College has had guys that go to the draft every single year, guys like Zion Johnson that I played against when I was there at Pitt. That was a first-round draft pick. And, I mean, so, they, um, of course, schools like Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, you're going to have those key marquee guys that you're going to play against on the offensive line and stuff like that that you see, okay, this is what Sundays is meant for, guys like this. And I feel like what a lot of guys don't know about both leagues is how how different the skill players are. I feel like me being seen in the both ways, I mean, I feel like in the ACC is guys that are more built for um, quick game, a lot of RPO, a lot of and that type of you get guys on bubbles that can really make plays and those type of short distance. And when it comes to the SEC, you have your home run hitters, guys like Malik Neighbors, guys like that where you see those guys taking 60, 70-yard bombs, Jaden Daniels throwing those big passes that you really might not see in the ACC because of that that top uh, that, that talent caliber is really not up to par. But, I mean, I feel like both conferences are great for top players. I mean, you see it day in and day out where guys get drafted with both conferences, and I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity to play in both. Oh, fantastic. So do you model your game after other players? And if so, can you talk about them? Uh yeah, I mean I feel like if you if you don't have a I guess a certain amount of guys that you kind of watch and you kind of narrow in on, I don't think you're playing the game the right way. I mean there's great players and 
in the NFL that you can pick and pick and uh, pick your game and w whatever different type of moves and stuff that you want to work on. I mean, for me, I try to model myself for guys like uh, Hassan Reddick. That's a guy I saw myself uh, when I was at Pitt, and he played at Temple. So I, that was that was a kind of that that East Coast mentality and stuff like that. Hard nosed football. Um, a guy that I've been watching a lot is um, Max Crosby. I mean, just his relentless effort, him chasing plays down from the backside and stuff like that. That's something that I know scouts are looking for, and I guess that's just something that pops up 24-7 uh, on, on tape and stuff like that. And a guy that a lot of people kind of, I felt like, slept on just because he didn't have the um, numbers coming out of college, and stuff like that, but he, he had the hype with Rashawn Gary, you know. I feel like Rashawn Gary is a guy that's, that's really come on to now in the NFL being one of those premier pass rushers. You probably a lot of guys didn't see it. He had flashes, and I feel like that's kind of fit in my mode. I, I, I definitely have opportunities where I flash on film and show, okay, he he, he has some juice to him. And, you know, it, it takes the time for you to be able to put it all together, and now you see him getting being a 12-sack guy in the NFL, and I, I, you can see that over the certain amount of years, the course of his NFL career, the it's starting to all come together. You see him beating those premier tackles, putting those moves together, and, having games like he did versus Trevor when he gets three sacks. Yeah, so so when you're looking at when you're watching guys, you know, and and so like Gary, like like Reddick, like the players that you mentioned, is there what are some of the things that you find yourself and how can you approach that in a way that where do you how do you know what to take from them and add to your game? How do you know that you can do that? Right. Um it's really just spending time in the film, you know, I mean I could speak I could test the guys like Asan Reddick. I mean, watching him progress from when his time with the Panthers and time with the Cardinals and seeing how his game progressed and him being an off-ball linebacker or being a stand-up on the edge. You see now with the Eagles, he's really a guy that has great bend. He's great, uses his hands amazing. I mean, he's, he's really slippery, and I feel like that works in my in my wheelhouse. You know, I'm really, I'm really big on being able to put an offensive lineman in a position that he's uncomfortable with whether it is bending, bending at the bending at the knees and stuff like that. A lot of guys really struggle with that. And I feel like if you get yourself underneath their pads, me being a guy with a, somewhat of a shorter stature, you wouldn't see a guy 6'2". That, that, that mold in NFL is really un uncommon. You see guys that are really 6'4", 6'5". But me having that shorter stature gives me the opportunity to really use my hands and get under guys and play 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 below their waist, which is, which is great for my position. All right, Mark. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, you mentioned that being able to get guys to bend at the knees gets them uncomfortable. In what way do you kind of set that up? In what way do you kind of approach, like, how, how do you get guys in that situation where you're putting them in that uncomfortable situation from, like, their leverage uh, versus yours? Right. I mean, I feel like it really starts off with speed. I feel like that's the that's the biggest thing that, I mean, you got you probably hear it all the time, O-Lima don't like guys that can move well in space, you know. If you get up on, if you get, if you get from point A to point B, at a certain amount of speed, and you get on that offensive lineman's toes, that puts him in an uncomfortable situation. Mm. Offensive linemen don't like guys in that space. That's why they hold. If you get close to them, they're going to grab because they're nervous. They don't know what you're going to do because they're going backwards. So, I mean, I feel like that's the biggest, that's the most, that's the biggest part about it. If you, if you get on offensive lineman fast and you close that space and get, like I call it, get on his toes, if I'm stepping on offensive lineman's toes, I'm putting him in the worst position he could be in because at that point, I can go any way. I can go right, left, or I can go straight through him. So at that point, if I get him to drop his drop his hips and stop his feet and sit on his knees, at that point I can really honestly do whatever move I want, and I feel like that's really like speed is the biggest thing to get him in that un uncomfortable position. So, when you say speed, we're talking first step, first step, first step, explosion. That's the first step. Yep, coming out winning in there, and then and then getting him to drop basically based off of how fast you just came off the line. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that exactly. makes sense. 
Yeah, um, and that kind of go ahead, John. No, go ahead, Mark. I was I was about to say, Mark, you got one more, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask um, in terms of how you game plan for different types of tackles. Like, obviously, some guys more athletic, more the you know maybe six three, six four, three ten, but they move really well. They tackle right. You know, some other guys, so you know, you're getting up to that like six six, three thirty, long arms. How do you kind of game plan for each guy? And, and do you have like a process you go through when you're trying to figure out hey, right. how am I gonna attack this guy going into that week? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I got it, it really comes down, like I said, just based on watching film, you know, I mean, just off my knowledge, me me playing the game for as long as I have, I mean, just going into my, I guess, my daily routine and when I go into watch film, like you said, playing against a guy that I know is more athletic, that's that's more of a game where I would say I rely on more hands because he's, he's going to be a guy that has great feet. So I would assume in most cases a guy with a better feet kind of lacks with that punch because he wants to, he wants pretty much to stay in front of you. So I know in that case, I would I would use my speed, but I would like you like I said earlier, close that space and get my hands on him. So at that point, I'll do something like a forklift or a pull through, or it's getting him in that like I said that uncomfortable position, get him off balance, using his using his great feet against him. If I get him off balance, it, he can't use his strong suit. So in that in that band, and you like you said, going against a guy that's six six, that's when that speed comes into play. Most guys, unless you're going against a premier guy, six 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 seven, those bigger guys can't really bend like that. So that's a game where you get you do your, your your ghost moves, your your cross chops, your double swipes, those speed moves where you know if you beat the hands, you beat the man, you get around the corner. Those again, those are times you bend that corner, and get that sack. You got a preference? You like the smaller, more athletic guys? You like the big guys? Who who do you beat up? Uh, I mean, I really don't have a preference. You know, I mean, of course, the, the the big guys are the guys that usually have the the height behind them. So you know, those are the games you get pumped up for and stuff like that. But I mean, all sacks count the same. I, I, I mean, every sack you get is a million dollars. So I really, no matter who gets beat, I, I got to beat them all though. I like that. Now, I think when, when, you know, when you look at a guy like you, I don't know how accurate this is. I'm just running off of the numbers that I have just under six, two, two seventy. Right. You know, so, is that almost an advantage for you when you go into and you're studying, especially, you know, you're talking about the bigger guys, but is that an advantage for you? Because you're not up there with a lot of those tackles right. and you're talking about bend and working your way around the corner is being at your size, almost an advantage to let you open up into your game. Uh, 1000%. I mean, I feel like I was blessed to, to be this high. You know, I really always say I want to be six, four, but now playing it and being in this position now, I feel like me being, I'm the perfect height for the position. You know, because I mean, of course, like you said, the NFL is looking for those bigger tackles, those 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 monsters on the on the that, that sit on those islands. But in my in my particular stature, they have they have to come down and block me, and that puts them at a disadvantage. Because if we're not standing the same height, you can't you can't shoot your hands and get in my chest. You have to bend extra low to try to meet me at the level I'm at. And at that point, I'm, you're already putting yourself at a disadvantage for me. So you're reaching down to block me, which gives me the opportunity to get to your hands faster get around the corner faster. It's putting you at a disadvantage. So definitely, I feel like my height is the perfect position for the edge. So is there – who's the toughest player that you played against and why? Um, I'd probably say – probably say the guy from Alabama, uh, 65, J.C. Lake. Oh, I feel yeah. like that was <laughs> – that was. I mean, honestly, I feel like you you hear you hear things through the grapevine. I mean, of course, me coming from ACC, like I, I of course I've heard his name. I mean, he's a going. I think he should, for sure, probably be a top ten pick in NFL draft. He decides to come out, but I feel like those are the type of guys that you, um, you watch on film and you you say, okay, I I, I can beat him. It's, it's, he has something in his game that is like I can I can exploit it. I can exploit it. And like, and I mean, you got to look and see. Okay, he's an Alabama for a reason. Like, he's one of the top guys in in college football for a reason. 
So I feel like going against him, that really gave me an opportunity to really see if 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 this was this was what I, what I really wanted to do. You know, I mean, like I said, he's a he's a top ten pick for a reason. You know, he's I mean, he's all of six five, six six, three sixty. Like he's by far probably the biggest tackle I've seen in my playing playing career. And I mean, he has I think all of the intangibles of what it is to be a, a franchise right or left tackle. I mean, his feet were probably top tier. Probably one of, for a guy his size, you would think that six 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 seven. 360, he wants to be that that mauler, that aggressor, but he's very patient, which is you rarely see that. That's a guy that he he knows he knows what he's good at. He's gonna wait until you try to run up and show him a whole bunch of stuff. He's he's gonna sit and wait, and as soon as you get in his in his space, he's gonna grab you. And at that point, it's pretty much it's, it's over with. I mean, a guy that size is rare. You're gonna be able to get get, get a hold, and that's when you see those those plays where he's taking guys and dumping them across the piles because he's being patient, letting you show all your cards. And as soon as you show a card that he thinks is a good one, he's going to snatch it. It's over after that. So I think that's probably what, like I said, J.C. Lakeman is probably one of the better guys I've played against in my career. No, that's got Philadelphia Eagles written all over it, Mark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I would, that's something I would, him going against Jalen Carter, Hassan Reddick, and I mean, Howie, if, you, if, you, if you're listening to this, please come get me. I mean, I would love to watch, I would love to be just a part of the be able to watch that unfold. <laughs> You know, that's that's something I'd love to watch. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. That's because that's how Lane Johnson plays. If you ever watched, right. you know, Lane is he uses that size. And we were talking about it on the last episode, I think, right? I think it was last yeah. episode we were talking about it. But Lane, I didn't realize he was as athletic as he was with, mm-hmm. with his testing. That was kind of a mind blowing moment because I was two twenty thirteen was just before I started scouting. So like but watching him on tape, that's exactly what his approach is. is he gets into his backdrop, very patient, waits for you to make the first move, and as soon as you do, psh, he, he's got you engaged. He's right. got that length, too. Right. So you said when you were watching JC, you thought that there was a weakness there that you might be able to exploit. Right. What were you thinking you were going to be able to pull off? Just out of curiosity, because this is where I want to start to pick your brain, is what right. does your process look like? Right. Um, well, just watching film throughout the weekend. I mean, just of course, Alabama plays on TV every single weekend. So, of course, you get the opportunity to see him live on TV and stuff like that. And just just in my eyes, there were times that I felt like he tended to get lazy in his in his pat in his pat in his drop. I mean, I felt like there was times where he already had a predetermined mindset. Okay, I'm better than this guy. I don't really have to come out and really give my best effort. And I felt like there were some guys that got the better of him because he kind of played it back lax of day really didn't do whatever his game plan was to his teeth every single time. Mm. You know, I watched the film, it was certain players, okay, this okay, they played against, let's say, Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee has a whatever top five age rushers, let's say hypothetically. Okay, you see him on his A game, but you go against middle Tennessee State and there's a guy that he might not think is worth worth whatever the case may be, but you see you see him get a pressure or you see him get a get a quarterback hit or a sack who's saying, well this guy did the same move versus Tennessee and by the he say he got a pressure, what's the difference? And if you watch it over and over again, you can see that, okay, he might have not kicked back as fast. Or when he got to his his, his landmark, he shot his hands. He, did, he wasn't as patient as, as, as he was with the other guy. And I feel like those type of things are stuff that a lot of people might miss, but I'll catch because I'm watching it over and over again. Like if, if I'm watching a guy, if I'm studying the guy, I'll pick maybe two or three games where I'll watch those games every single day of the week leading up to that Saturday. And I'll have notes for every single rush that I felt like was either a good rush or a bad rush on why what the tackle did and what I felt like the end could have did better, what he did 
that that got him to either a quarterback or got him stuffed or whatever the case may be. And I feel like a lot of guys never really go into that much detail and watching a guy and really studying your opponent because I feel that's the, I mean, outside of playing, going out on the field, if you know what he's going to do before he does it, it's you have, you have the upper hand at the end of the day. You got a question there, Mark? Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering when you take your notes, like how do you kind of organize it? How do you approach keeping track? Because that's, you know, if you're watching that many reps of a guy and watching over and over again, there's got to right. be a way of kind of approaching it to keep track of all that info and then kind of synthesize it into something that kind of makes makes it make right. some more sense. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I understand. I mean, really, it's kind of I kind of do it based on moves. I, I kind of do it based on what moves I feel like will work best for me and what I feel like my game plan with my move list is. And I also do it based on what moves, so I was, like I said, what moves I feel like it's best, what moves that I punted on, what moves I saw the other team do against him. So whether it be, like, going just, so we're talking about the guy from Jason Smith from Alabama, you wouldn't, a guy his stature, you wouldn't do speed to power. He's a he, he's, he's a hulking figure, so you wouldn't just try to run down the middle of his chest, because all you can do is just going to grab you. So speed will be something that probably works best against him and stuff like that. Counter moves, being able to get him out of, out of, out of, his, out of his norm, get him to do something that's out of, out of his body. Whether it is shoot, shoot multiple hands or shoot both hands at the same time, which gives you the opportunity to, to grab both hands and pull yourself through or pull yourself around the corner or, or get an opportunity whether you do one move and he gets lazy at one point, you're able to counter back and that, that, that type of stuff. So it's really based on what moves I feel like is good for me that week. And I, I kind of watch it rep by rep and say, okay, there's there's a speed move, okay. There's 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 a hand fight move where a guy pulled him past the corner, okay. Let me go, let me go back and watch what steps he did, how many steps he did. And I feel like that's a lot of things that guys don't notice. Some guys do different moves on different steps. So that's something that you can watch up for him and say, okay, this guy, this guy has his outside foot back. So he's a two-step. He likes to do this off of even numbers. His inside foot is an odd number guy. It, 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 I mean, I can go on and on. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a plethora of hey, that that's a lot what of we, guys don't That's see. what we do, right. John. That's what we do. We go down the rabbit holes. So let's go, right. man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can talk about it all day. I mean, being able to train with a guy like Chuck Smith, he's taught me – the pass rush nuances from top to bottom. I mean, like I said, doing different moves off different steps, watching different kick steps, knowing if he's a 45-degree or 90-degree setter, if he's a quick setter. The guys like to jump out on you, stuff like that, and that opens up the inside. Um, when it comes to play-action rushes, being able to get off the ball and being able to read from line to quarterback and stuff like that, understanding, I mean, wide receiver splits, knowing what's coming before the play. I mean, it, it all goes hand in hand. No, so you described yourself as a Saviat, right? Yeah, that's I think I, you, that I, was I before the so. year. Yeah, it was before right. the year, right? I was when you got to Arkansas, and uh, because the news, the local news organization made a huge deal out of it, and they were right. like, "I don't, I've never used this word talking about sports," but right. <laughs> they would go into your interview, and so, you know, with that uh, approach and that mentality, how has that helped you to open up to all these different things that you've been taught, right? Where understanding 45 degree set 90 degree set understanding how to incorporate this but also incorporate it into what you are physically capable of doing right i mean i feel like it's opened up everything for me i feel like knowing i don't have the um ideal size of what nfl scouts are looking for what guys you see you see those six four six five guys these are these prototypical edge rushes and stuff like that but i feel like you always have to have your your niche, and I feel like my niche is being able to see it outside of the cleats, you know, seeing outside of the helmet, watching it on film, and being able to really break down a guy before I even put put my feet on the turf, you know, 
And I feel like a lot, like I said, a lot of guys don't have the opportunity or really don't take that time to go into that prep where they say, okay, I know that I can beat you before you even see me come off the bus. You can have a predetermined mindset of what you feel like is going to happen in the game, but I saw you go against five different guys and do diff- do five different things. So that, in my eyes, that means you're not confident in what you want and what and what your plan is. But I've done my research and I'm confident in what I can do. So I know I'm going to go out and do what I've been taught and what I've known to do, and put that in perspective and go out and have have a good game. So I got a question for you. you mentioned. Uh, as you said, you know, NFL scouts are looking for those guys who are like six four, so on and so forth. And and it's true. Uh, you know, that a lot of times you do have scouts who will be kind of harder on guys that they don't have right. the same, you know, oh, we want this height, this, you know, right. so on and so forth. What would you tell a scout who is kind of worried about your size? Like how how would you convince them, hey, I'm I'm still just as good as everyone else who's, you know, maybe a guy a guy who's a few inches taller than me? Uh I mean, truly I'll just tell them turn on Robert Matthews tape. I mean I feel like that's the most simple. I mean, if, if I'm going to keep it 100% frank, that's as simple as I can put it. I mean, Robert Mathis was 6'1", 6'2", and he's a 100-sack guy. You know what I mean? I mean, he and he was one of the guys that used a plethora of moves. Like, it wasn't he wasn't a one-trick pony. He, I mean, I, I can tell based on watching his film and watching him rush that he was a guy that did his homework and understood, okay, if I'm not if I'm not 6'5", what can I do? To put, like I said, put this offensive lineman in a, in a predicament where he's uncomfortable, and that was that was his speed. He used that to his advantage. Like I said, putting offensive lineman in a difficult predicament is what puts them at a disadvantage. And I feel like that's if, if, if that was ever a question that came up in the interview, I would. I mean, I would be as straightforward as I, as I can. I mean, would you want a guy like Robert Matthews to get you a hundred sacks for your for your uh, for your uh, organization? I feel like most guys would say yes. Uh, that's good. That's good there, Mark. I'm enjoying this one. So, uh, no, so I guess the other thing, too, is now you're starting your draft prep, right? Because your season ended, unfortunately. Um, As you start your draft prep and you go into this offseason, what is the number one thing that you're focused on right now trying to make sure, hey, I'm going to go into, you know, pro day or whatever all-star game that I end up going to? Do you? I don't think you haven't – I haven't seen the invite for you yet. Do you have any yet? Uh, so my plan is to do the um, CGS, which is I think it's the beginning of January. That's my plan, and I mean I've been hearing stuff. I know that now with juniors being able to get invites, stuff like that's kind of it's a tricky subject for a lot of uh, those those bowl games. They're trying to, I guess, of course, hold spots for guys that are juniors and stuff like that. So, and I know those games are kind of in the later of January. So I know I, I'm hoping that me going to the CGS and, and being able to go out there and show myself talent in front of scouts so that they give me the opportunity to get one of those senior bowls. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, and the CGS is a good event too, you know, and NFL scouts really like it. I worked it 2020 when I was with the broad network, you know, and that was or 2021. That was COVID year. It was one of the only all-star events that happened that year. So all the teams got down there, they checked it out and they loved it. Right. So, you know, that's a good event to get into. Um, but no, so looking at, looking at your draft tip prep and so doing the CGS, potentially doing an all-star game and then your pro day coming up, what are the big things outside of athletic testing that you're trying to add to your game and show people what you can do? Um, I think truly is my versatility. You know, I feel like this was one of the seasons that I was truly asked to um, drop in coverage and really be able to get underneath routes, really play off, play off different route concepts and stuff like that. And I feel like I have the skill set to be able to do it. I feel like I have the, the background to be able to do it. I mean, my dad, he, he coached at the college football level for many years, over over 15 years. And he was a linebacker coach at 
all different levels like that. So I've, I've been taught the game the right way. And I feel like that was another thing that promoted me to, to move, go to Arkansas, being able to play in that, that three, four linebacker role, which we, we called the buck at Arkansas and being able to either rush the quarterback or play that off ball linebacker, getting the coverage, being able to get underneath Ross like that. And I feel like my versatility is the one of the things I want to show scouts that I have the opportunity to be a four down player. I don't really have to be a, Okay, he's a situation guy. We only can put him in on pass rush downs. I I could play all four downs. I can switch between a four down with my hand of dirt. And if you want to go to a sub package where I stay on the field and be that that off ball linebacker, I can still do that. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things for me to show scouts that I can be that versatile player. Uh, okay. And so when you talked about, you said you've been playing this a long time, and your dad being a coach. When did you start playing football? Uh, I want to say. I'll probably say age four. I mean, I, I lived in Georgia at first, so that was probably – and they started They started with tackle as, as your first kind of like intro to football, which is – I mean, thinking back to now, which is crazy for a four-year-old. That's pretty wild. So, But, uh, yeah, I, start, I started at age four, man. I mean, I've been playing it ever since. I mean, it's just what I fell in love with, you know. I mean, I thought I was going to be a basketball player in high school and middle school, but, I mean, you you, you start to look at what it, what it looks like on TV and see that – you're not six four anymore. I mean, you can't. I'm, I'm I'm not Steph Curry, so I can't shoot the ball like that. So I, I decided to put a helmet on, put shoulder pads on, and get out to the quarterback. And I think it's I think it's uh, short, gave me gave me a great opportunity. Oh, I agree. I think you're right. Um, you got anything else that you want to throw in here, Mark? Um, no. I'm just wanted to add that first off, one I, I was kind of surprised to find out you didn't get a hula ball invite. I think they like. I was like thinking, okay, hula, and then maybe have a good hula performance, and and maybe the senior bowl will call you up. So I was a little right. bit surprised to to hear that. So hopefully CGS goes well for you. And I'm looking forward to how you do there. Uh, and then also just like in general, I know John mentioned it. Like I was just very impressed with all the stuff you covered. I mean, you really got it in depth with with how you approach it, and that's what I was excited to get into. Is just how you view the game and how you prepare right. for for guys and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it was a pleasure to talk to you, man. Sure, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to really uh, talk some ball. I mean, this is this is what I do. This is what I want to get paid to do for the rest of my life. So why not get the opportunity to really talk ball with you guys? I love it. Now, now, don't forget us when you're famous. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, you know, I think I think that's one thing that you know we really like to do on here, and this is what's helped us is we just talk ball. You know, I think there's a lot of podcasts out there that they focus too much on the stats and looking at this and that and hot takes and whatever else that is. But you know, like you the insight that you're given talking just about JC Latham, for example, a guy that you played against a guy that you prepped against and some of the tendencies that you noticed, that's important to some people that are listening, right. That could be like, you know, I watched JC and Oh, now I need to go back. I need to take a look at that. Cause he's, he might have a point, you know, yeah. but um, that's exactly why I wanted to have you on because listening to you talk in interviews and stuff, it was really clear. Like, you know, your stuff. And if you, you know, at the end of your football playing career, you're going to be really good at this. So, you know, like I wanted to make sure that you got that opportunity to show that too, but also, Hey, people, people use this stuff to try to get a feel for who you are right now, Right. you know, before they get a chance to talk to you. So we're going to hope to send this around to some people also there as well. Um, it's been awesome, dude. I've enjoyed this a lot and I appreciate you taking the time coming on here with us. Yes, indeed. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. John Morgan, defensive end who was at University of Pitt and transferred to Arkansas, played there as a grad transfer this year, and just – that was an impressive interview, Mark. Better broadcaster than me already. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> you're the nerd, Mark. That's why you're here. <laughs> it's a little bit weird trying to fill in where Gam usually holds. out. So. No, absolutely. But yeah, no. So um, we're gonna be short. We're gonna be switching to a shorter format. Um, and we're also gonna be taking, you know, the next week off of the sick podcast to just kind of let everybody enjoy Christmas. I know that I got my kid. I know Mark, you've got your kid. Justin has his all his friends. Um, he's it's okay. I'm I'm not gonna make a I'm not gonna make a joke about dinks or whatever they're called now. Um, so, but you know, we're gonna take we're gonna take some time off, take next week off, and then we're gonna come back after Christmas and get back into the swing of things. But thank you to John, thank you to all the sick podcasts and everybody else that does this. Uh, for Mark Jarvis, I'm John Vogel. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.